It's time to get chiseled with Rob Hamadari. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Chiseled. I'm Rob Commodore, your host here today. I am also the author of the book, Better Than You Think, and I'm a real estate agent, as you might have figured out over the last several podcasts, and you may know as well that I interview a lot of realtors because I've, I've created, a, I shouldn't say I've created, I've been among a, a community that sells one out of every eight houses sold in the United States, and I, I get a lot of stories, a lot of friendships I've built over the years, and today... I have a very special guest. His name is Larry Underhill, who's been in the business for 38 years. Is that correct, Larry? I'm an old man. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> he doesn't look that old. He does. He's 73 years old and he's kicking strong. So, Larry, I appreciate you being on the show today. How are things going out there in Lodi, California? It's warm. It's about 90 degrees out here today uh, in the flatland. It's uh, it's Central Valley. We actually, Lodi uh, grows more grapes than Napa. Uh, Napa actually imports grapes from Lodi uh, for wine. So it's a kind of a wine destination. Uh, but anyway, go ahead. Are, are you a big wine guy? No, no. I used to be a big wine guy. And, and I got to the point where uh, uh, I felt that the best thing I could do was to not be a wine guy anymore. So I'm part of that club of guys that uh, I'll look forward to drinking wine with Jesus in heaven. But until then, <laughs> You know what? And I should know better to ask that, but I, I guess it's going to be a great segue into what we're going to talk about. Correct? Yeah, yeah, you got it. So, so Larry, he graduated in 1967 at nearby nearby San Francisco. So in Lodi's, I guess it's south of Sacramento and east of San Fran, he was telling me. So, yeah. Larry, Larry, you got you back in I said 1967. You, I think you told me you were 18 years old or around that range, and Larry got himself in a little bit of trouble, let's just say. Correct, Larry? Yeah, you know, it's a... Uh, the uh, I, I know this is before a lot of people, a lot of listeners were born, but uh, that was the summer of love in San Francisco. Hate Ashbury and the Grateful Dead playing in the park and all of that. And I, I uh, gravitated into that you know, right out of high school and joined the uh, Better Living Through Chemistry generation. And uh, <laughs> I never, I never heard it put that way, Larry. <laughs> Say that again. Chemistry generation is that what yeah. you said? Yeah, I used to. Uh, that I did a lot of hallucinogenic drugs in particular, and and had a lot of spiritual experiences. I just didn't know I was dealing with the wrong spirit at that point <laughs> in time. But uh, I really appreciate this podcast, by the way, and the whole idea. Your book, better than you think, and uh, the podcast. The, the 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 deal with the podcast is to allow the 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 master sculptor to chisel us into what he, what our creator wanted us to be. So uh, I'm all about that too, you know, trying to figure out what it is that uh, God has for each person that I work with. And if I can encourage somebody along that path, I'm excited to do it. And I appreciate what you do. Well, thank you for saying that, Larry. And you know, you talked about the, what your experience with the drugs early on, and you said you had some amazing spiritual experience. So I think there's a time, and I've talked to many people, have friends and other people that I know that they were on this spiritual journey, and, and they did that. They, they turned to the hallucinogens to see if they could find or connect mm -hmm. with that spirit at a deeper level. So if I could ask, what were you looking for exactly? Yeah, good question. And, and uh, basically, I was looking for a good time. You know, <laughs> I was, hey, I was 18 years old, and uh, I mean, the whole, the whole uh, revolution of the time was was pretty wide open and uh but uh, somebody said that a good definition of a conservative is a liberal who's been mugged 
uh, and I got mug. I I I embraced, you know, the tune in, turn on, drop out, uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, all that. And and you know, I was that was the era of. I saw the Doobie Brothers when they had just been signed uh, by Warner Brothers. They were signed on the basis of a, uh, a demo tape. I mean, it was guys were that good and. I was at Fillmore West in San Francisco and saw those Janis Joplin, uh, Big Brother and the Holding Company, uh, Country Joe and the Fish was a local band that was very popular. There was a lot of uh, a lot of good music out there. Uh, the Jefferson Airplane, that's before. Wow, I know these names. I know I know the names. That's yeah. great. And uh, so it was it was an interesting time to to be uh, young, but uh, and I thank God that I I lived to t I lived to tell the tale because. It got pretty weird, you know. Uh, I I found that uh, that all of those the the siren song of the of the culture uh, couldn't deliver on the promises that it uh, that it uh, made. And say, Larry, uh, say that again. The siren song, what it had you know, like the sirens in uh, uh, okay. the you know the the seductive song of uh, hey, come this way. This is this is here, we we got the answers. You know, the old generation doesn't know what they're doing, but we got it all. And it was a lie. You know, it, uh, it ended me up in some pretty bad places. Uh, came out of a Grateful Dead concert at Winterland in San Francisco and ended up doing uh, about a week in uh, San Francisco City Jail. Uh, wow. Just partying hardy, man. And yeah. uh, somebody had a blues harp in there. And so I, I'm ripping away on the, on the harmonica. And they didn't like that. They, they thought that was not a good thing. And they put me in a solitary cage for or cell for... Uh, a couple of days, but they put you in solitary because you were playing in harmonica. Well, I was pretty rowdy boy at the time, and uh, anyway, you know, I a hard headed kid, and I, I had to hit a wall to get my act together. And and the wall I hit was uh, most of the time these drugs had been uh, kind of like Popeye and spinach. You know, you you take the drug and you feel like the center of the universe and all of that. Well, they turned on me and. Uh, and I had some people say, well, it was a bad acid trip. Well, what it was, was encountering the liar. The Bible calls him the liar and the father of all lies. The, Satan himself saying, I own you. You surrendered your will to me through the stuff you've done. And there's no hope. And that no hope is the same thing that uh, people with uh, addictions of many kinds uh, deal with. That hopeless feeling is a spiritual feeling, but it's coming from a liar. And what, what do liars do? They lie. So so I was really scared. I volunteered myself into a place called J Ward uh, in uh, Martinez. It's a mental institution. It's a mental, mental ward of this county hospital. I was looking for hope. Uh, my parents, you know, I was tripping on acid. My parents said, well, just think good thoughts. <laughs> when the enemy of your soul is saying, I own you, thinking good thoughts doesn't really get it. And yeah. my brother said, just chant. Nam yoho renge renge That's gonna that didn't that didn't get it. I needed somebody that was stronger and had authority over this bad guy. And so, so that, God, I'm sorry. No, you go. I, I was just gonna ask you. You know, so you said you know the 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 evil one, Satan. Let's call him. Uh, you said he you felt that he owned he he owned you. Yeah, it was a very convincing lie. Remember, I've been following that voice uh, all the way across. I hitchhiked across the country numerous times and up into Canada and, and uh, all over the place. And uh, 
Anyway. Was the addiction that you said, okay, this is the voice telling me I own you? What was How did you know he owned you? Well, it was a spiritual impression. It wasn't a voice. But uh, and and it, the interesting thing with hallucinogenics, you don't get addicted to them. Uh, it's not the same as heroin or, or meth or something like that. But uh, but I I was pretty much addicted to intensity, and uh, I still crave intensity. But I found other outlets for it than drugs. So anyway, and that was all. This is all half a century ago. You know, Jesus Christ got a hold of me at J Ward in J Ward and changed my life. And, and uh, it's been a whole new ride since then. It's been bumpy, you know, there's, there's been some wild rides uh, involved, but uh, but that's old news, you know. The, so so how did he get a hold of you? How did, how did, well, how it was did really a weird thing. Uh, just, you know, uh, G.K. Chesterton, who, by the way, is a, is a, a, a well, well-known author and uh, Catholic uh, uh, guy, uh, uh, writer, um, he says uh, coincidences are uh, what do you call it? God's puns, something like that. He's a funny guy. Yeah. Anyway, so series of coincidences. Uh, my parents, who were nice, wonderful people, but not Christian people, and uh, they called my uncle and aunt, who had been raging alcoholics and and heavy duty of the of a prescription drugs, who had come to become Christians, and they talked to their pastor. So this little old man totters over from another town and and talks to me about Jesus. And I never really knew I knew there was a Jesus. Uh, my my knowledge of Jesus was limited. Uh, and uh, he explained that he had authority over everything. And uh, I told him that's the first hope I've had since I, you know, it's first hope I've had since I dropped this LSD. So anyway, uh, that was the start of my start of my walk with Christ. But since that time, you know, just to shift gears and get off of the off of the bad old days. Yeah, you know, we're going good. We're, we're going to go good here. <laughs> you know that little joke earlier about the uh, conservative liberals, a liberal who's been mugged. Well, along those lines, it's uh, uh, I I hung I I joined a, a church of people called His Way, and we're all coming out of living on the street and hitchhiking and, and uh, drugs and the whole thing. And we were all pretty, very conservative people. We looked like a bunch of trippy hippies, you know, granny dresses for the girls and the guys all shaggy and all of that, all raggedy and a lot of barefoot people. But we were super, I mean, we were in the, in the Bible. We were grounded in the word of God. And, and uh, it's, it was funny because we just didn't look like who you would think we, we were. But, we, but I'll tell you what. Uh, and you know this, Christianity, true Christ followers, it isn't about a religion. In fact, religion gets in the way. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the person, it wasn't a religion that changed my life. It was the man, Jesus, uh, who I met, and not physically, didn't see any visions. But uh, he's ruled my life for the last 50 years. And uh, he's the reason I'm still above ground. I mean, I, there were some pretty bad times there early on. Um, and I've learned a lot of good things. I got a whole bunch to learn. The more I, more I uh, learn about the Bible and about Him, the closer I get with Him, the more aware I am of how little I know. Uh, but there's a Bible verse in Job, the Book of Job, verse chapter twelve, verse ten. Job twelve ten says, "For the life of every living thing is in His hand, and the breath of every human being." 
and when we when what I'm getting in touch with because we're talking about getting chiseled, right? Yeah. And the sculpt the sculpture is the creation of the sculptor. So our sculptor is God, and uh, and He's our creator. I just read a Bible verse that says that uh, our very breath is uh, is in His hand. And so we have this illusion that, you know, I'm going to conquer this or I'm going to do this. Uh, there's a, you know, famous poem, I am the captain of my fate. I'm the master of my fate, the captain of my ship. That's not true. You take away your, if God decides not, okay, I'm taking you out. <laughs> so Larry, so it sounds like there's a lot of surrender going on there. Would you agree with that? Surrender is a, a valuable word. Yeah, it's. And the cool part about it is, it's, you know, the, the dynamic, the thing people resist is the idea of surrendering to anything. And uh, even the American dream, so-called, you know, I, I want what I want when I want it, and I'm, I'm going to run my own show, is kind of flipping God off in a sense. You know, it's kind of, <laughs> I, I totally agree with you, Larry, I do. And, uh, and the reality is, if he is the creator, and I am the creation, then... I would be doing well to get in touch with him and get to know him uh, because uh, life is short. Eternity is long. And uh, if I, if I don't want to hang out with him now, I'm certainly not going to want to hang out with him after this earth suit goes away. You know? Well, he might not let you in. <laughs> right? well, yeah, exactly right. You know, it's yeah. a, a, a famous writer, uh, C.S. Lewis, he said, there are two kinds of people at the end of their life. The kind of people who say to God, Thy will be done, and the kind of people to whom God says, "Your will be done." Some people don't want anything to do with God, and God's God's a gentleman; he's not gonna he's not gonna force you. Uh, well, it's, it's but, the object of free will, right? The, we have we have been created with free will. We have the opportunity to say yes or say no. But here's the cool part too: another C.S. Lewis verse or or uh, quote. He says. God whispers in, in regular times, but he shouts in the in pain. He says, uh, pain is God's megaphone to the world. And so when we encounter pain, like I had pain in J-Ward, right? I, I was one scared hippie, you know, but God got my attention. And God in his grace and mercy allowed me to stay alive long enough to, to find him. And, uh, and so when we encounter pain, in our life, we can we can go right to God with it. Uh, you've heard the joke about the the Christian business person who says, "My business this and my business that," and then they get in trouble and they go, "It's your business, God." <laughs> <laughs> hey, Larry, I got to say something, and and people have heard this before, but it reminds me of a little prayer I say before every presentation I give when I'm speaking, and it's uh -huh. a little prayer. It goes like this: It's just I, I say it's me and God. We got our thing going on here, and I yeah. say, God, you know, please let the words come out the, the way they need to be spoken, and let them be heard the way they need to be heard. And if this doesn't work out, it's your fault, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's so, so cool. that so, is so cool. <laughs> so, Larry, I'm gonna go back to something you said. Like, so that was it. You said you met him, okay? And it wasn't physically, but was it a flick of a switch? Was it like an instant, like I'm not in and I'm all in, or was it a gradual turning? Like, let me trust you a little bit with this, then I trust you a little more with that. So, what was that like? Can you share that with everybody. Hey, good question, man. Yeah, you ask good questions, Rob. This is uh, this is good. It was messy. Uh, it, essentially, I was I was in the I was in the praise the Lord and pass the dope stage for about two years. <laughs> I had one foot in the church and one foot. I, I remember uh, 
New Year's Eve service, you know, and they're, I'm there with these people. I'm worship, you know, worship, and I'm enjoying the people. But my, I got this tug to go smoke a joint with my friends, you know, and uh, my other friends. And the killer is when I'm with the other friends, I'm not telling them about Christ. I'm just party and hearty. And the Bible says that a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. That double-minded time was horrible. It was miserable because I, I knew where I wanted to go, but I was conflicted inside. Uh, but God was great. You know, God's gracious. He, he's, it's not a matter. So it wasn't a light switch at all. It was messy for a couple of years, two or three years there. And, uh, but I, you know, God, God was faithful to, to draw me to himself and, and get me to the point uh, where I want, where my wanter, <laughs> my wanter was focused on him rather than wanting uh, yeah. both, both sides of it. So it's like when you talk about that double-minded person, it's interesting because I, I think a lot of us, like the, I believe the Holy Spirit's always talking to us. And it's a matter yeah. of, do we not hear it at all? Do we hear it and, and, and don't take action? Do we hear it take action? And I think that double-mindedness is like that tug of war that's going on. Like like you said, you had one foot out the door and one foot in. And yeah. I, I guess when you first start, I'll use the word converting, you're more yeah. to the outside than you are to the inside. And it's like, how do I... All right, I, I stepped in, but now I got this temptation. Let me step back out and, and I'll try. I'll see if I, I can enjoy that a little more before I step all the way in. Yeah. So was there a time when Larry said, I'm all in? And what did that look like? Yeah, there, there was a time. Uh, and uh, it, uh, it, it was several years in. And uh, somebody said that the Christian life is one big yes and then a lot of little uh-huhs. You know, I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love that. Yeah. You're uh, the we have an opportunity in every moment. Uh, last week, Mike Gandolfo talked about temptation. You guys were talking about temptation, and we're all tempted. Every every one of us is tempted. It's what you do with the temptation that counts. And and again, God's given us free will, and we have the opportunity. The concept I have in my mind is, you have kids, you know this, you you can relate to this with my kids, and now with my grandkids. I'm going to put them out in front of me and let them explore the forest or walk through the walk the trails or ride the bike or whatever. When I'm behind them, I'm observing them, but I'm letting them make the decisions. Uh, if I said, "Okay, now you have to do this," and you have, if I was a helicopter grandpa, you know, uh, the kid had never learned to stretch his muscles and 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 uh, and de develop. And uh, God does that with us. He allows us to make our own choices, our own decisions. The Bible says nobody comes to Christ unless the spirit of Christ draws them. But he wants every one of us to come to him. And if we're receptive and obedient, it's, it's going to happen. And it might be messy like me, you know, it, uh, it, uh, but the, there's a, so much struggle. Uh, there's so many conflicting voices out there that are trying to draw you um, other places. I'm going to take a break. Let you ask me a question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're coming. Questions are coming. But like, so you said, no one comes through Christ unless the Spirit draws them. How do you like? What's that feel like when you feel that draw? Is it an adrenaline? Is it a, a, a like a thought in your head? What's that spiritual draw feel like? My pastor says Jesus could appear 500 feet tall in your backyard, you know, uh, but he doesn't because. We walk by faith and not by sight. And faith, the Bible says, is to be sure of what you hope for, to be certain of that that you don't yet see. So when I'm talking to God, I'm, I'm telling him, Lord, I don't need the goosebumps. I don't need the lightning bolts. You know, I, I know you're here. 
and I know you're going to guide me and order my steps. And I want to have an ongoing conversation with you all the time, whether I'm having the chills and, and you know, the thrills or whether <laughs> I'm not, you know, uh, when you seek the thrills, you miss the, you miss the, the it's all about is it's a, like you said earlier, Christianity, somebody said, is not a religion. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that relationship is it, you said an ongoing relationship. So is that daily prayer? Is it just being in awe of his beauty, his creation? Is it helping other people? What's that? When you feel you're in relationship with God, what does that feel like? Well, here's probably my favorite author outside of the authors in the Bible is a guy named Dallas Willard. Dallas, uh, last name is W-I-L-L-A-R-D. Brilliant guy. He's passed away now. Uh, but he wrote books like uh, Spirit of the Disciplines. Uh, and discipline, I'm a free spirit. I hear the word discipline. It doesn't thrill me. You know, oh, man. <laughs> but he what he talked about is the disciplines that you can do or th things you can do in your life that will put you in a position of being able to be more receptive to God. And one of them is solitude. I'm out hiking in the woods a lot. And I'm having an ongoing conversation with the, with the Lord while I'm doing it, you know. And it's a conversation. It's not one way, you know. Uh, but I have to learn to listen. I'm, I got a lot to learn about listening to God. Solitude, silence, uh, worship, um, giving, serving. Uh, Mike Gandolfo last week talked about the joy of serving. And I know that's where you're coming from, too. Uh, Jesus said the greatest among you is a servant of all. Uh, there's a, a guy, I wanted to mention this guy, uh, Steve Shapiro, uh, was an author. He's passed away. Uh, he, uh, Brian Buffini, our, our mutual friend, Brian Buffini, uh, uh, podcast number 26 of the Brian Buffini show is uh, on the art of listening. And uh, Steve Shapiro said, sales is a process of helping people to make decisions which will add to the quality of their life and their business. And so what we're what we're doing, what you're doing in your business and, and uh, Mike and Alfo and myself, we're serving people at a very high level. Because if if, uh, if we see them doing something that would benefit us, but not benefit them, we're going to warn them because God's our source. He's going to take care of us. We're not we're not uh, we don't need to chisel in the wrong way, you know, and, and try to make something happen that shouldn't happen. Uh, and the motto of my team, my, my little real estate team, our motto is to sell is to serve. And that comes from Steve Shapiro, to sell is to serve. Uh, and a little more about listening. Aristotle said this, he said, wisdom is the reward you get for a lifetime of listening when you would rather have been talking. Yeah, that's profound. It is. Steve Shapiro says, what's what's the sales technique of most realtors or most salespeople It's to talk and then talk, talk. to talk some more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. So and, and we all know the cliche, if that's the if that's the right word to use, you know, we have two ears and one one mouth for a reason. Yeah, right? Exactly. We're supposed to listen more than we talk. So so listening, so you're listening to God, listening to the spirit and, and you're listening in that solitude. You're listening in, in, in that quiet time. Uh, and like if somebody says, listen with your heart, what does that mean yeah. to you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would agree with that. In fact, one of Dallas Willard's books, the, my favorite, and it's one that I want to work through. I work right as I, as I uh, 
ease out of real estate more and more because I'm an old dog. I'm I'm 73. I've got a I've got team members that are uh, the heirs that are coming along. It's going to be a long handoff, several more years. But uh, as I ease out, I have time to do things I've always wanted to do. I'm I'm working with uh, a couple of young men that are husbands and dads and uh, ex gang affiliation people. I'm working with a guy that has come out of methamphetamine and working with uh, uh, different people. And one of the things we do is dig into the Bible. And I want to dig into this book. It's called Renovation of the Heart. Ooh. Renovation of the Heart. And what he walks you through, this brilliant professor, Dallas Willard, what he walks you through is uh, a process that as I'm, I'm, I'm all over the map, but I'll just tell Keep you. Keep going. You're fine, Larry. Keep going. Okay. The, what the Bible, what's, what we refer to as the Great Commission, this is what Jesus instructed his disciples to do just before he split. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. What the American church has done largely over the last few decades or longer is kind of retool that to say, go into all the world and make converts rather than disciples and a disciple is an apprentice a trainee a student and uh, and that's what discipleship is what i'm working on with these guys because what we're all trying to do is to be the we talk about being the best version of ourselves i want to be the person that jesus christ would be if he was living my life yeah and uh, and the way to do that is to crack the word get into the bible and the more you do the more uh, the more you're it, it's, it draws you in because like the in Psalms, it says uh, the law of the Lord is is his delight. He meditates on it day and night, you know, Psalm 1. So with these this renovation of the heart, is there's a process to it. And as I tell my guys, okay, we're both on the same path. You, you know, I'm, I'm a little further down the path because I've been doing it longer, but it's the same path. We're disciples. We're working to become uh, more and more like Jesus and, and to know him better and better. And all of these disciplines we talked about are means that put us in a position where we can more act, where, where we can hear him better. I can hear God a lot better in the woods with nobody around or in the middle of the night. I, I uh, get up in the middle of the night and spend about an hour with the Lord. If it's a nice night, I'm outside uh, talking and listening, you know, and uh, uh I was. I heard. I just read this. Charles Wesley, famous uh, evangelist, traveling preacher, is a circuit writer, preacher, used to pray six hours a day. Get up at four thirty and pray. Somebody corrected me and said, "Yeah, that's true." But he went to bed at seven at night. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so he got he got his sleep, but he also, you know, you the thing about the middle of the night is there's nobody, nobody. The phone's not ringing. Uh, I'm not checking email. There's nobody around to distract me or, or or to expect something from me. And I can just focus on spending time with him. It's your quiet time, right? Yeah. Larry, so I have a question for you. You said it a, a minute or two ago. You, you, you used the word disciple and convert. And, yeah. and what, so, so what's, what's the difference? If you can explain the difference between yeah. oh, two, what you meant by that. Because I understand a discipleship now. And I talk about the convert. And, I, and you're, the it's a, you're just lobbing me a softball, man. It's exactly it's my I job. Mean. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, it's a good thing. People have, there's no place in the Bible that says that it's possible to be a Christian and not be a, a disciple. And so the 
the unfortunate thing that a lot of people have have innocently moved into is okay i i may, i said the magic words i asked jesus into my life now i can live like hell and go to heaven at the end you know <laughs> and uh and that's deus. It's unhappy, you know, because what Jesus said is make disciples. In other words, people that are serious about getting to know him, the, the teachers of those days, you did, it wasn't head knowledge. It wasn't like so you can pass a test. It was like, okay, I'm soaking up what you're teaching me so I can go do it. Yeah. Dallas Willard says the true test of, of faith or trust is if you're really doing the things that you say you believe. Yeah. Rather than saying the religious things that you, you know, a lot of people have the head knowledge. They know they know what to say, but they're not. It's not they're not owning it. Uh, we talked. You and I talked last week about the idea of true faith or trust. Is if I am I putting my full weight on this? Yeah, if yeah, if I'm yeah. In a chair, and I don't trust that chair. I'm not going to be. I'm, I'm going to be a little ginger about it, you know. And so if I get now, and there have been times in my life where I've had, uh, you know, had financial over the last 50 years, financial ruin. I've had uh, prostate cancer. I had to deal with that. I've had people die. I've had people betray me. I've had uh, uh, a lot of heartache has come come along with the package. But it's your inner life that really counts. Your, your inner life, your life with your creator is going to give you the strength and the confidence that goes beyond the grave to carry you through whatever it is that you have that you encounter. But would you say those those outer things, those trials, those tribulations, those betrayals had something to do with chiseling Larry into who he's supposed to become? Everything to do with it. Yeah. Uh, whom the Lord loves, the Bible says, he also corrects as a father corrects his child. And uh, and and God's really good at, at spanking me when I need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all, we all need a spanking once in a while. Hey, Larry, I meant, to, I meant to bring this up earlier, and I'm sorry I didn't, but one of the things that really drew me closer to you, and I, like I've known you for a little while through this whole uh, Buffini thing, and but we had, went on, we had gone on a trip, you and I and about uh, 18, 17, 18 other people back in Utah about, about two years ago, I think. Was it two or three years ago? Yeah. Something like that. And it, and it was funny. Some people, it was the end of the day and people were leaving and we were waiting, we were waiting on a couple of guys to come back from a, from a ride, from a kitty ride, a couple yeah, of dogs yeah. from a kitty ride. Right. And you and I had a really good conversation there. It was funny because I wanted to go and I'm like, Larry's sitting here by himself. Something's telling me to sit here and chat with Larry. And, and, and I never told you this. I don't think I ever told you this, but I, I remember that day and I'm like, you know what? That guy's got a lot of wisdom to share. He's got a lot of knowledge and, and I, somebody I want to learn from. And, and I was, I was, I mean, I can't, I don't know if I said thank you for that, but I was really grateful for that day and it drew me closer to you. And so, you know, somebody I want to know better, somebody I can learn from. Like you said, you, you got a lot of wisdom, uh, a lot of wisdom between those years, right? <laughs> In that heart. It, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. And so one brother sharpens another. And you tuned me up with your book. Uh, well, thank so you. Much, there's so much. The, the, the humility really comes through. And humility is a real important thing. You know, uh, humility just means uh, being realistic about who you really are. And yeah. uh, the Bible talks about uh, if you exalt yourself, God will find a way to bring you down. Uh-huh. And, and he does. You, if you humble yourself before God, he will lift you up. And if he lifts you up, Nobody can knock you off of that because because it's like your creator and your your book just there's a lot of insight and wisdom there. And, and it's it, the tone of humility and of you're still a student. You know, we're both we're both disciples. We're work in progress. We're work in progress. Right. 
Yeah. And then, as we keep going here, the the you had talked about a book. Uh, was it the Treasure Principles? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and and tell me a little bit about this book. I know you've read it. You've actually you gave it to me. I read it. But tell yeah. us a little bit about this and, and how it's helped you sure. in, in this journey. This is really an important thing uh, because we're we're talking to a lot of business people, and uh, and the, somebody uh, somebody asked uh, Aristotle Onassis, uh, one of the wealthiest men in the world at the time, Greek shipping magnate. You know, he was a real well known dude. And uh, they said, uh, you're, you're one of the richest men in the world. How much is enough? He said, just a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's a great line. And, uh, and that is the culture we live in. You know, there's, uh, pe people measure their value according to what, what they've been able to accomplish financially. Uh, John, John Maxwell, he says, the definition of true success is when you're loved and respected the most by the people who know you the best. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, it's it's a seductive thing. The thing we love about Brian Buffini, our, our mutual mentor, Brian, and his five circles, spiritual, family, business, financial, and personal. He says, if you have a flat tire in any one of those, uh, it's gonna affect your whole gig, you know, your whole uh, life. And his his sense of focusing on more than just how many deals you did, yeah. you know, at your funeral, they're not going to say, you know, Rob was a top producer in his marketplace. You know, it's, it's just not going to come up. And, uh, and, and so the, the idea of the idea of the treasure principle, uh, the, of the book, this is a book by Randy Alcorn. It's called the treasure principle. And, and it basically says, uh, it says you can't take it with you, but you can send it on a hit. The idea of, uh, the idea of giving and being a channel for God's blessing. And uh, there's nothing sweeter than, and this is another part about the relational thing with God that you know about. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing sweeter than to feel yourself used of God, whether you're counseling a, a widow or a widower or a single mom or a young couple about whether to buy or not to buy or what to do and guide, just guiding, helping people navigate life. There's nothing sweeter than being used of God in whatever capacity that is. Uh, I know people that are uh, do janitorial in the church, you know, and uh, they're they're scrubbing toilets for God, you know, <laughs> and it's just as good. I've done that myself, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So, but but what in the treasure principles? Like, how's this all related? You talk to me about. Yeah. That. So one of the concepts that that resonated with me from that was to take a look at. Uh, at how much is enough? There's a Bible verse. Let me see. I think I've got it written down here. Uh, no, yeah. Well, a couple of them. Proverbs 23 4 says, Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. <laughs> That's a, in the Bible, really. Yeah. And, uh, but, and the other con the concept of it uh, is, um, the concept of finish lines, the second book, it's called God and Money. Uh -huh. And uh, it says how we discover true riches at Harvard Business School. These two guys, John Cortinas and Greg Bomber, were already whiz kids. They were in their 20s making six figures and, and their goals were to retire at 30, you know, with the houses and the cars and all of that stuff. And they took this course called God and Money at Harvard. And they learned about, they learned about, 
the reality, and this is this is from this treasure principle book too. I am I used to tr treat my business like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna it's it's I would say it's God's business, but I would not it was not really apparent in some ways. I was still running it, and when I got in trouble, I was running to God. Help, help me, you know. And uh, and what I learned through these books and through just experiences. I'm not, I don't run the show and, and, and God partners with me. He owns the store and, uh, and I'm just a manager. So I, I want to, uh, I want to be a good manager. The, the Christianese word is steward, you know, but I want to manage what God's given me and, uh, and in, in a way that honors him. So, and the finish line concept is two finish finish lines to talk about. One is, what's the maximum amount of annual income I need to have in order to keep the wheels on the bus and, and live a, live a life, good life, uh, beyond which I can give it to God, give it to, you know, a lot of people out there that have a lot, have a lot of need and uh, a lot of good work is being done. And the second finish line would be in terms of accumulation. Uh, and God doesn't expect us to eat top ramen for dinner every night. You know, that's not, it's not a poverty oath of poverty by any means. But if I'm truly a, a manager of his resources, when he knows he can trust me, he can trust me with more. And that's been my experience. He's been real good to me. You know? well, well, let me God, I keep going. I'm sorry. No, no, it's, that's, that's it. It's to be a conduit for God's blessing, to be a channel, and not just financial. I mean, with your, your talent, your treasure, uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And it's, it, it lines me up, too. It's, become, it's a spiritual discipline because – if I really am saying, okay, I've, I've hit the, I've maxed out on what I need now, the rest, Lord, where do you want me to, where's this go? Yeah. Uh, one last thing, and then I'll, I'll, I'll take a breath here, let you ask a question. But there's an outfit called National Christian Foundation I really like because it's a donor assisted fund. I can throw the dollars in there and then I can direct them later. I can point them where I, where I want them to go as I, as I feel led. So I can, stockpiles and dollars there's some tax advantages to that too national christian foundation you might want to check that out but okay go ahead. Nat you? You national christian national christian foundation if everybody heard that right yeah. so, so as we get ready to wrap up here there is a couple things that come to mind so when is enough enough right so yeah i think about where is, is there or what is the fine line between ambition and contentment so if I have this ambition to be all I could be, to be all God wants me to be, maybe not, and I'm not totally sure what that is. I'm going to keep plugging away, keep plugging away, keep plugging away. And then there's this thing called contentment. Are you happy with where you are? Are you happy with enough? And some people would say, you know, if you're content, that's a negative thing because you, you're not, you're not, you're not growing. If you're content, you're not growing. So mm -hmm. is there, is there a fine line between the two or a, a dividing line that says, okay, my ambition stops here and this is where contentment starts, or maybe that doesn't exist at all. I'm just, I just want to hear your thoughts on that. Well, the very good question as, as they have been, and I appreciate talking with you. Yeah. My take on it would be, uh, it's a, it's a both end, you know, you can, that drive that God gave you the abilities that God gave you to, to, uh, to run a podcast and to run a, a, a productive real estate team and to serve people at a high level uh, and to, and to manage your family and to be a conduit for God's blessing. Uh, he wants you to be a, in the, it's like the old army uh, slogan, you know, be all that you can be. He, he wants you to do all that stuff. He, I, you know, I, you just need to listen to him and, and obey. 
but you can be content in the midst of that. And there's actually a contentment that comes, I think, through drawing some finish lines, which are not re a religious thing. It's not a, uh, the danger whenever you talk about these things is you can get into legalism. Oh, you've got to do it this way. Hey, it's between you and God. You have an audience of one that you're, I want, I want to honor and, and please one person, and that's Jesus Christ. And the rest, everything else falls into place. So I don't want to, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade if they want to go and if they want to have a, a mega, mega business, that's great. As long as, as long as they're really enjoying the journey and, and submitted to the Lord and allowing him to work through them, uh, more power to them. Some of the guys we know, Bob Bodine, uh, who was the guy? Bill Hampton. Bill Hampton. Yeah. Yeah. These guys are super successful people, but they're content. There's contentment in their life now. It's not, yeah. not a brass ring they're going for. Uh, and because the, they can relax and enjoy the journey uh, and, and allow God to work through them. Uh, they're, they're at peace right now. It's not, it's not a, uh, it's not, I hope I'm, I, is that coming through? No, that's, it's, it's an, it's an opinion question. I don't know where people are with it. Cause I think some people look at the contentment thing as a negative thing, but you know, they're like, I'm a driven guy. And I, and I want to go, 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 go. And, and I also want to smell the roses. So it's smelling the roses part of being content. It's part of being happy. And right? part of the, and part of the, the disciplines, like getting regularly, like daily, getting some quiet time, getting some time for solitude and some time to gather your thoughts and, and to have a conversation with your creator. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, that helps you. The It's all about keeping the perspective and it's easy to get drawn into stuff that, that is, is harmful and that's where we need each other too and yeah. i know you're running out of time so i better dummy up here <laughs> no, i'm not watching i'm just letting it go so well as we wrap up let's just we might as well bring it to a close here anyway the um so is there more chisel in larry can and larry underhill's life oh man i got a lot of just ask my wife you know she'll <laughs> been married 48 years and she will she will point out the areas in which i still have some bumps and need chiseling we all do, right? We're all work in progress, right? We are. We hey, are. Larry. So you're out there in Lodi, California. Somebody wanted to get a hold of Larry uh, and, and hear more about his experience. I have Larry share some wisdom with him. How would they get a hold of you? Yeah. I, uh, my email address is Larry at LarryUnderhill.com. And uh, I'm, I have uh, my company is the Statesman Team Keller Williams, the Statesman Team Keller Williams in Lodi, California. Uh and hey, if somebody's got a question, wants to call me or text me, uh, this is my favorite subject. We're talking about, you know, uh, the the one who made us. And uh, I'm at 209-401-5446. God, repeat that one more time, Larry. The yeah, 209-401-5446. Larry, I'm so grateful for you. I had a great time on this uh, show with you today. Uh, I didn't even mention that you're a, a very successful realtor at that and you're going into your twilight years here. Right. And um, I'm just appreciative of you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for your vulnerability and transparency. And I would say to everybody until next time, let's go get chiseled. Thank you, Larry. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Take care. You just got chiseled with rock on to like this podcast share it with your friends and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes also you can find rob's book on amazon better